my name is Darlene Cavalier, and I'm the founder of SciStarter. SciStarter connects millions of people to thousands of citizen science projects in need of their help. These are people just like you. You're out there advancing scientific research simply by sharing pictures from nature to maybe even ground-truthing NASA satellite data. With thousands of projects, a main challenge can be finding the right project, one that really suits your needs and your interests. We're thrilled to announce that with support from Nesta, which is a UK-based innovation foundation, SciStarter is partnering with Kobe Gall, a leading expert in human-centered artificial intelligence, to create a smart recommendation system. We hope that the system makes it much easier for you to find the best project to suit your interests and your goals. With Kobe, Nama Dayan is working with our team to create this system, and you'll hear from both of them later in this podcast. They like to call this new tool the friendly parrot on your shoulder, which is a great analogy. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be testing this system to see if it's able to produce the research results our team is looking for. And these results include an intelligent recommendation of citizen science projects to result in better matches, increased engagement, improved contributions, and maybe even better data quality. In this episode, Caroline from SciStarter chats with Kobe and Nama about the field of artificial intelligence, why we're building this system together, the role of transparency, how we'll evaluate the research outcomes, and the expected benefit of the projects. Without further ado, let's get to it. I'm Caroline Nickerson. I'm the co-host of this podcast, and I help produce it with the SciStarter team. We have two guests on the line who are working with SciStarter on a project. I'll let them introduce themselves. So, Kobe, do you want to get us started? Happy to introduce myself. My name is Kobe Gal. I'm a professor of artificial intelligence at the University of Edinburgh and at Ben-Gurion University. And I care about building computer systems that can learn to be better collaborators with their human users. And I work in domains as diverse as negotiation, education, and in particular, citizen science. And I'm very excited to be helping you guys uh, get the most out of the platform and help people find the projects that would most interest them and would most contribute to their well-being and to their satisfaction. Great. And then Nama, would you like to introduce yourself as well? Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm Nama Dayan. I'm a software engineering student in Ben-Gurion University. Uh, Professor Kobigal is uh, my supervisor in my master's degree. Uh, I'm too uh, intrigued uh, with AI. And my research currently deals with the recommendation systems. And uh, now we're working with a collaboration with SciStarter. Just as a note to our listeners, we have a, a big spread of time zones on this podcast right now. Nama is calling in from Israel. Kobe's calling in from Edinburgh, and I'm calling in from Washington, D.C. So uh, we are really coming across the world to talk about this topic. Yeah, um, and I think this reflects the wonderful diversity of the SciStarter ecosystem itself. Definitely. Yeah. And this is meant to be a very a global thing. I thought we'd start broad. Maybe, Kobe, for our listeners who may not be as familiar with it, could you just broadly talk about what artificial intelligence AI is? This question might uh, generate different answers from different people. And of course, these days, AI is always on the news, whether for good or for bad. And 
Uh, people might uh, even uh, fear that AI is about to adopt uh, consciousness and take over the world and uh, disintegrate the human race. Well, my job is to tell you guys that uh, AI uh, is indeed prevalent and it's all around us, but its purpose is to do good. And in particular, uh, the way I see AI is a collection of um, techniques and technologies uh, that complement human abilities uh, rather than replace human abilities and help us to do better jobs, whether as uh, teachers, judges, doctors, and computer users. And my research uh, strives to uh, create computer systems that can indeed facilitate the way humans make decisions and try to help us do the right thing. So help us augment our abilities, not replace us, not kill us. <laughs> that, yeah, that's super. And it'd be really interesting if both you and Nama could give some background too on other projects you've done that have incorporated AI. I've done a lot of work on in, in my thesis on uh, trying to get computers to negotiate well with people. I'm a very bad negotiator. I remember buying an apartment in uh, Israel when I came back there after my PhD, and the guy selling me the apartment said, um, uh, your offer is too low. And I said, well, this is, this is my final offer. You should take it or leave it. I was sure that he was, he was bluffing. He said that the, he had a competing offer that was a bit higher. I was sure that he was bluffing. I don't know why. I had this strong intuition. And I went home, and he didn't call uh, the next day, and he didn't call the next day. And I got worried, and I called him back. And he said, oh, well, I did tell you I had a competing offer, and this <laughs> was already sold. So, you know, we need AI to help us because, uh, at least in my case, we have pretty bad intuitions about how to uh, deal in strategic situations. And in my thesis work, I developed a computer agent that reasoned about the social and psychological factors uh, that affect the way people make decisions. And these social factors, they're good. They help us understand what a fair offer is. They help us reciprocate and be good members of society. But computers need a little help to get them to uh, understand these social factors. My, my long-term goal is that AI systems would be a friendly parrot on our shoulders and they would be able to help us make decisions in situations that might be uh, uncertain or, or confuse us. And that's why I'm so excited to be, to be working in SciStarter. Yeah, I think, um, Nama, your student perspective is really interesting, too, because people who could be listening to this could be considering maybe going into this field themselves. So um, I think hearing about, like, even if you are if you just started, that's really great um, perspective. Okay, so I just started my journey in the field of AI, and I'm intrigued from working on it. My first experiments with AI was trying to predict age by faces' images. We learned the personal characteristics of the face and try to predict how old is the person in the picture. Another interesting project I made is in the field of NLP. NLP is like a language processing. So in this project, I tracked Disney movies scripts from all over the years and tried to model how feminism is reflected in them. It was very interesting to see how AI can capture characteristics like feminism 
in movie scripts and to draw interesting conclusions from them. Wow, yeah. And so AI, it seems like it's just so broad. Like it could be, for example, with this project where it's making recommendations. We'll get to that in a second. Or it could be like you just mentioned Nama, where it's kind of analyzing data and um, letting you know if something's present or not. Um, before we move on to the SciStarter project, I wanted to ask Kobe about um, people's fears. Like, where do you think the fear of AI comes from? Do you think it's something with like popular media or something else? First, we should say that this fear uh, that we have about technology is to some extent uh, completely justified. I don't think the human race has ever been in a position where if we flip the switch today and all of our computers um, shut down, uh, there would be chaos here, right? Just think of going to the airport where your favorite airline has a glitch with a computer system and multiply that by, by uh, hundreds and thousands of, of computers experiencing the same glitch. And so we are dependent on, on technology in a way that uh, was never before. On the other hand, the, the fears are unjustified uh, because in reality, uh, AI is uh, pretty stupid in the sense that we know how to create uh, computers that solve well-defined and narrow problems such as machine translation, and making predictions about stocks, and even driving the capabilities that AI systems need to have in order to pose a threat to mankind are eons away. Human intuition, creativeness, and the ability to generalize our knowledge to new situations, those are aspects that are far removed from computer systems today, and we are very far away from having any type of computer that can adopt an intention of, of its own accord. But on the other hand, the fact that AI is stupid actually makes it quite vulnerable to uh, attacks and manipulations. And there are many such examples. And most recently, a Microsoft chatbot that was um, implemented in Twitter and uh, was parroting within a few hours racist comments made by other users or for-profit companies that use information in order to try to manipulate and modify human behavior. And all of these examples show that AI, just like any tool, like any technology, can be used whether for the good or for the bad. So people who fear AI, you know, they have a good reason to do so. It's just important to understand where the perspective is coming from. And I should say that the research we do here at SciStarter, our collaboration, uh, is aimed at mitigating these fears in that we create uh, a, a system that is able to help people um, achieve better satisfaction, find the projects that match their interests, rather than trying to tell them what to do or to manipulate the way they interact on the site. Definitely. And then how did this project come about? Can you give us a timeline of how you and Darlene came up with the collaboration? Well, I was very lucky to meet Darlene at a workshop on the open science of learning. And the workshop was about how we can improve the way students learn, teachers, and the general public in these new arenas that technology is enabling. And in these arenas, people come from all over the world, they interact in a way that is mediated by technology, such as the internet, 
and they do amazing things together. They solve problems, they help each other reach their goals, and they um, exchange information. And if you think about it, that is exactly what the beauty of all of these volunteer-based websites are about. Wikipedia, Stack Overflow, these are sites where people can uh, help each other grow in knowledge and as a result, we can improve uh, society. You know, we've never been at a, at a point in time where um, someone with literally no education on the other side of the world can take a course from a Nobel laureate in physics and, and have access to that kind of material. This is why I'm so excited to be working with SciStarter because it allows volunteers to be true collaborators with us scientists for this common goal of improving mankind. Definitely. And then uh, what would you say is the problem you're trying to solve with this SciStarter collaboration? You know, this, this is a very interesting trade-off because on the one hand, SciStarter is such a rich platform. It has thousands and thousands of projects catering to different types of users who like uh, different types of projects, from projects you can do at night to projects that require you to be in the office, projects that are about uh, physics and projects that are about biology. And uh, the flip side is that if I'm a user on SciStarter, it is difficult for me to navigate the sheer um, breadth and space of this uh, amazing uh, set of projects. And people can get lost in the variety. And therefore, I contend that a little help by providing people with recommendations that are personalized to their own uh, abilities, preferences, and enjoyment can go a long way. Our idea is that uh, we try to match people with projects that uh, are most suitable to their own personal preferences, capabilities, and interests. And the question is, how are we able to do that? Uh, we don't know anything about a person beyond seeing the uh, history of uh, his or her contributions in the SciStarter platform. And I should say, we, we don't use any demographic information or any private information about anyone. We just look at their uh, trajectory of contributions in SciStarter, and we try to think, hmm, which other people are similar? We call them friends. You could think that of, of a social network that we create based on, uh, on, on these history of contributions. And we think, Hmm, who is similar to that person in the sense that they accessed projects that overlap to a degree with, with this target person and behaved in a similar way in these projects? And, and again, when I mean behave in a similar way, I mean that they might have visited the project the, around the same number of times, maybe uh, uh, made... Uh, uh, similar types of um, contributions to, to the project, number of contributions to the project, spend similar time on the project. All of these features help us to build a profile of a user, and then we can look for other users that are friends in the sense that they behave similarly to that user in the SciStarter ecosystem. 
And once we found these friends, then we have a clue about what kind of project this target user would like, because we can see projects that the target user's friends visited, but the target student did not. And I should say this idea behind the recommendation system is used in many different sites, such as Amazon or CNN, to generate recommendations for items, news items, or, or purchasing items that people may like. And our, our, our big idea here is to take this, this, this approach and use it in SciStarter. So this is very important to say that we, we generate these recommendations in an intelligent way. We, we don't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach. We don't want just to recommend to someone only the popular projects. We want to recommend projects that actually uh, fit that person's individual interests. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can also add that uh, one of the main challenges of the algorithms is uh, the is that the fact that we are dealing with a tremendous amount of projects, 3,000 projects that we need to recommend for a lot of users. So actually the power of our algorithms come from uh, the, the amount of data we collect. So all, all the user activities we collect, uh, thanks to, to this data, we are able to draw interesting conclusions about uh, the similarities Kobe talked about and this make a wise recommendation. And uh, Nama, for our listeners who don't know, what's an algorithm? So algorithm is like a set of uh, steps uh, in order to achieve a goal. It's like a, you, you can imagine a recipe uh, that you follow all the instruction in order to make a, a cake. So um, what are some of the algorithms you've done on this project? I know it's probably pretty complex because as you mentioned, we have so much data here, um, so many SciStarter users and so many potential projects for them to do. So for our study, we applied five different algorithms. Two of them are based on similarities between projects and similarities between users. So the first algorithm is a project similarity uh, where a user is recommended with projects that's similar to each other. Uh, in the sense that uh, they are both taken online or that similar users have participated in this project. Uh, the second algorithm uh, is user similarity, is based on user similarity, where, for example, if John participates in Kokoras and John and I are similar in the sense of our past activities, like we both uh, made uh, similar activities, so um it it is a uh, reasonable reasonable that I would also like to participate in Kokoras because John and I are similar. That's super interesting. It seems like through our anonymized data about users that we're able to base our recommendations on what worked for different but similar members of the SciStarter community. Kobe, could you give us some context about what this community should expect to see when they come to the website? I'm deeply indebted to the SciStarter community uh, for allowing us to bring this technology uh, to the fore. What we're going to do is you'll see a slight GUI change in the upcoming release of the site in a few days. Uh, and this GUI change is going to include a recommendation window where you will see a friendly chatbot providing you, the user, with uh, three projects that we feel best match your own interests. And these projects were generated by the algorithms uh, that Nama talked about. 
you don't have to click on these projects. We're not telling you what to do, but we hope that the projects do indeed reflect something interesting and that you would want to explore. I want to emphasize that we are going to be evaluating these algorithms with the help of the community. So for a period of a few weeks, we will see how successful these recommendations are by uh, looking into whether people actually visited the sites that were recommended to them. And we're completely transparent about this. You may choose to opt out of participating in the study by clicking on a button that appears together with the recommendation. It's completely up to the user. By allowing the user to opt out, that's our way of telling you, we respect your wishes and your decisions about what kind of information you want to provide us researchers. If these recommendations are something that you want to use in your day-to-day interaction with SciStarter, that's wonderful. But if you would rather opt out and go back to the default user interface, that's also okay. Again, because we care a lot about uh, having good relationships with the users and making sure that uh, the user community is indeed satisfied and enjoying uh, working with SciStarter, because without the user community, there will be no SciStarter. That is very true. Um, So earlier in your answer, you mentioned a GUI. Um, For our listeners who might not know, what is a GUI? Yeah, so this is actually one of these complicated uh, uh, terms we scientists use that actually have very simple definitions. The acronym for GUI is Graphical User Interface, and we simply mean the screen that people interact with. So the GUI, when I say that we release a new GUI, I simply mean that there will be this slight change in the screen that people see and that will indeed include our recommendations. And if people opt out, then they will go back to the default screen that they're used to interact with. So before the podcast, I was looking over um, your hypothesis and you wrote that um, you think that intelligent recommendation of citizen science projects will result in better matches, increased engagement, improved contributions, and better data quality as compared to the existing SciStarter tools. So I was wondering for the research team, how, are you, how will you all assess success? How will you know that you've achieved this? So this is actually easy to compare in SciStarter because what happens now is that users can see projects they might like. I think that is the exact term used in the SciStarter screen or GUI, as I would say. And they get recommendations about the most popular projects. And that's the default that we have to beat by providing users with personalized recommendations. So it's easy to compare uh, the contributions people make before we release this new uh, functionality and after we release this new functionality. And we can check, we can compare people's um, contributions to the website in terms of the number of sites they visited, which site they visited, and how much they contributed to. And hopefully, hopefully, if we did things right, then these new recommendations will actually make people better contributors to, to site starter. When you're comparing people's pre and post contributions, so before the study and then in this intervention and after, are you going to be referring to people by name or will it be anonymous? Okay, so this is a very important question. We are not going to be comparing individual people 
And as I said, we care a lot about keeping things anonymous. We will only be comparing the average contributions made and before and after our GUI change. So we're not going to be looking at particular people, but rather how the community behaves as a whole. And in this way, we respect the individual um, privacy and that, again, is very important for us. Definitely. And um, what would you say is the the scope of this? Because um, I know the tool will live on on SciStarter long after you've concluded the study. So when will you think you'll publish results or finalize your conclusions? So we, we're, we're, we're going to be um, releasing the new GUI for a limited amount of time, a few weeks, uh, three to four weeks. And then we're going to be uh, comparing the before and after with respect to what happened in those three to four weeks. And we will be reaching out to users and asking them to fill anonymous surveys, again, completely voluntarily, about their experience with this new GUI, what their own interaction is with the GUI and how satisfied they are with it. And this is a very important evaluation metric for us because it directly reflects on the user experience. We should only augment SciStarter to include this new tool if it is indeed seen to be helpful. And by helpful, I don't necessarily mean that it only increases people's contributions, but also people like to use it. Interesting. And um, when we release this podcast, I encourage our listeners to go and experience it for yourself and see what you think. Um, so you mentioned that if one user, let's call them John, is similar to you, you might um, and he's done Kokoros, you might also get a recommendation for Kokoros. Um, right. How are you assessing similarity? Would it be because you're coming from like the same website or like you both clicked on a Discover Magazine link and it sent you to SciStarter or like what makes these users similar? Okay, this is a very interesting question. So similarity can be measured uh, in, a, in a variety of, uh, of uh, techniques, but uh, in this algorithm, we measure similarity by looking at... Uh, the past activities that I did and John did. And when when our past activities are similar, uh, in the sense of we contribute to uh, to the same projects uh, for the same amount of time or with the same amount of contributions. So uh, as Kobe said before, we we like friends and uh, and we were considered similar. Interesting. So it seems like it's grouping you together then because you both had done similar projects in the past. And that way you're getting recommendations of projects John did that you haven't done yet. Yes, exactly. And, and let me add, if I may, why this is so uh, useful. Uh, because what happens now in SciStarter is that people aren't getting the right kind of recommendations. So for example, people who uh, engage in one kind of outdoor participation project usually get recommended to participate in another outdoor uh, community project. Uh, but the data itself shows that that doesn't necessarily capture the kinds of projects that they actually want. Some people want diversity, so they, they want a different kind of project, one that is uh, online rather than outdoors. And without having this notion of finding other people who enjoyed uh, new types of projects, we can't reach that kind of diversity. So what I just said is actually um, confirmed with actual projects. People engaged in Kokoros, which is an outdoor participation project, as you well know, 
usually get recommended other outdoor weather projects, but the data shows that they're, that uh, Kokoraz users are actually more happy when they join stall catchers. Got it. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it fills a really big gap that's been there in our recommendation system. So as you've been doing this project, um, both of you, what are some surprises you've encountered so far? Well, first of all, we were very surprised from the users' engagement to contribute to projects that match. We were surprised to see users who contribute to more than 80 projects. Uh, this is not very common, though. Most of the users contribute to just a few projects, but it was uh, very much surprised to see that the, some, of, some of the users uh, are very engaged to, to SciStyle. Also, in contrast to other recommendation system platforms, here user activity is very diverse. Users do not necessarily participate in projects with the same characteristics. For example, as Kobe said, a user can participate in an outdoor biology project while also contributing to an indoor education project. It's, it's very diverse, it seems. That can, I guess, make grouping people together be a little difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, has been some challenge to capture and characterize uh, this user behavior. This diversity that Naamai is referring to is one of the most challenging research areas in artificial intelligence today. How can we build systems and tools that cater to people's diverse needs and capabilities and wishes because we want to build computers that can actually help their human users rather than irritate them, dismay them. And, and we're looking for the friendly parrot on the shoulder and metaphor to be a reality. Awesome. Thank you so much. Kobe, Nama, I love working with you and I hope to talk to you again soon. Great. Thank you. Thank you all too very much for your help with this. So now that you've heard about this new system and how it works, why don't you be the judge? Head on over to SciStarter.org, check out your recommendations, and let us know what you think. Did we nail it? Are you able to more easily find the right project for you? We'd love to hear your opinion on this, and you can just let us know by email at info at SciStarter.org. Citizen Science is produced by Carolyn Nickerson and Justin Schell in association with SciStarter. Music for this episode is used under a Creative Commons license through the Free Music Archive. Learn more about our show, get a transcript of this episode, and listen to previous episodes at SciStarter.org forward slash podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, you can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. Again, we'd love to hear your feedback on how we're doing, what we've done so far, and even ideas for what we can cover in the future. Just send us a note at info at If you like the show, please rate or review us on your podcast platform, or simply send it to a friend. We'll be back in a few weeks with a new episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you then.